Today's episode of the Rainbow Skyline podcast is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to rainbow.robinhood.com. That's rainbow.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. everybody, and welcome to a fresh edition of the Rainbow Skyline podcast, a podcast about the Denver Nuggets from your friends at The Athletic. My name is Nick Kosmider. I'm your co-host and joined by my other co-host, Kendra Andrews from San Francisco, uh, where she's going to be covering Nuggets Warriors uh, tonight. Um, this is our free uh, weekly episode of the Rainbow Skyline podcast. We do bonus episodes each week that are available only to subscribers. So be sure to go to theathletic.com slash rainbow skyline to get 40% off an annual subscription. That'll get you access to all those bonus episodes, not only from our pad- podcast, but from a, um, a long, impressive list of national basketball podcasts and team specific podcasts across the network, um, as well as all of our great written storytelling, uh, everything you need right there. Um, Kendra, how's it going out in the Bay? It's good. It's very wet and rainy. I think I have like bad luck when I come here because when I was here in November, it was also wet and rainy, Um, (laughs) but it is, it's good. It's home for me. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, you left, you left Denver and it's like a, it's like a warm, nice day. Already, I know. So I know. You're, miss, you're missing out. Um, <laughs> we have a lot to get to on this podcast today. We're in, in the kind of the second, the second part of it, we're going to, we're going to kind of take a look at the nuggets at the mid season point mark of the season. Obviously after tonight's game, uh, they will, they will have played 41 games. So they'll be at the halfway, halfway point. So I think a good time, natural reflection point to sort of sit here and talk about where this team is from a big picture perspective. Uh, but first we have to get into the news for the Nuggets, which was last night uh, during their 186 victory over the Charlotte Hornets. uh, Jamal Murray goes down with with a pretty nasty looking ankle injury. Uh, He was contesting Terry Rozier in the second quarter, uh, uh, late in the second quarter on a three pointer, uh, really rolls that left ankle pretty hard as he comes down. And, you know, from where I was sitting under the uh, on top of the tunnel, uh, he was having a really hard time even getting off the floor. Um, he had two teammates, uh, Vladko Chanchar and PJ Dozier, who were who were helping him off the court, couldn't put any weight on it. And, um, you know, as he gets under the tunnel, he actually kind of has to be put into into a wheelchair and, and get taken back to the x-ray room and, and, and the locker room. Ultimately, x-rays were negative. Uh, so that that's a good sign. But Michael Malone said uh, the ankle looked rather large when he was in the locker room. Certainly a lot of swelling. So th- there's not uh, there's not a really fine point of, of 
or, or uh, I, I guess a specific timeline right now of, of how long he's going to be out because of that injury. Uh, but certainly I think you're, you're looking at at least a few games that, that he's going to miss. And, um, you know, that when you're talking about the second leading score for your team, that's going to be an interesting thing to see how, um, you know, how they manage that. But I do think he was in positive spirits last night. He was tweeting about PJ Dozier's uh, 12 points in the fourth quarter from the locker room. Uh, Will Barton said afterward that he that it didn't seem as serious as maybe guys originally thought. So, um, you know, that that I think part of it is good. It doesn't seem like they avoid it seems like they avoided something catastrophic. But uh, certainly, Kendra, this is something that, um, you know, is going to play a big role in kind of how they go forward here, at least at least in the in the near future. I completely agree. You know, I was even looking at the spread today of what the, you know, people are predicting this Warriors Nuggets game to be like. And the spread is getting smaller and smaller in part because Jamal Murray is out and his, you know, his scoring's out. And I think, you know, this is Malone talked about how at this point in the season, his team has been pretty banged up. And I think it's kind of crazy that his injury before what he was banged up with was back pain, not even, you know, the ankle Injury, So I think now he's going to have to kind of deal with both of those. And that is really going to affect their offense and trying to find that rhythm in offense moving forward. Yeah. And and certainly, you know, I, I just wrote about Jamal Murray at The Athletic the other day. And mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, he is he is improved some things this season. Uh, this is obviously a season where the microscope is really on him because he just signed a max contract extension that will kick in next year. So he's sort of been um, put in place as, as certainly one of the pillars of a team that is trying to win a championship. So his development is a very important storyline. Um, you know, he's doing things like playing better in the pick and roll. He's getting to the free throw line a little bit more. Um, you know, he's inside the three point line. He's He's shooting a career high, almost 50 percent, but he's really struggling with that three point shot. And and that's really kind of, I think, held him back. Um, so so this is another situation where it, it's going to it's going to be interesting to see how that interrupts his rhythm. If he's going to be out for, you know, five, mm-hmm. six games or, or whatever the case might be. Again, we at, at this current juncture, uh, we, we don't know exactly what kind of timeline we're looking at. But uh, so, so obviously when something like this happens, you, you turn the page forward. And, and Monte Morris, another guy I wrote about the other day. Uh, it's a good time, I think, for him to be stepping into this starting role because he's really starting to, I think, find himself. He talked about how he's his own worst critic at times. He was putting a lot of pressure on himself early this season, uh, you know, as he was adjusting to a role that included a little bit fewer minutes over last year just because the Nuggets have been healthier. But he's a guy who started seven games last year when Jamal Murray was out with what was an ankle injury then uh, and, and played very well. So I think this is going to be a really natural fit for Monte Morris to kind of step in and, and take that role. And then we saw last night that PJ Dozier, the two way player um, who, who Michael Malone has been high on throughout the season, even though he hasn't really spent any time up with the Nuggets, uh, mostly been in the G League, but says, I have no issue with playing him. And of course, last night he goes out, scores nine straight points uh, in the fourth quarter to kind of help them turn around a game that was sort of hanging in the balance when the fourth quarter started. He ends up with 12 points. So where do you just kind of think the Nuggets uh, Nuggets are if, if, again, they're going to be without Murray for a few games? What does that look like for them? I honestly am not too concerned. I think, as you touched on with Monte, against the Clippers, I thought that the team was kind of really struggling late in that game. And one of the reasons was, I think, Jamal Murray was struggling. And then Monte came in. He played great. Then when Malone sat him... They kind of had some slippage again, and then they put him back in, and they were right back up to to what they were doing when he was in before. So I think that, you know, it's kind of 
I don't want to say it's perfect timing for Jamal's injury, but just from what we've seen, it kind of feels like that a little bit with Monte getting into that rhythm against the Clippers and now being called on more. P.J. Dozier being called up. And I think we were expecting him to play a little bit against the Hornets and tonight against Golden State just with, you know, the team being a little banged up and him being up here. Uh, So the fact that he's here and like he put up those numbers last night, it kind of just feels like it couldn't have gone better in a bad situation, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I think they're in position to make the most out of it. Uh, PJ Dozier himself last night said, listen, you never want to get your opportunity because a teammate that you care about gets hurt. Uh, But but that's the reality Mm -hmm. of the league. And and the Nuggets so far to their um, have been able to avoid injuries that they've been relatively healthy Mm -hmm. almost all year. Gary Harris missed another game last night. Uh, He's dealing with a groin injury, um, but he's that's probably not a long term situation. We know Paul Millsap has missed uh, four games in a row now with uh, with his knee injury. Uh, He'll still probably be out for a little while. So they're now kind of starting to um, to get a little bit banged up more so than they have been all year. But again, it's just an opportunity for, I, I think, one guy to really watch in this that's going to have, I know he doesn't play point guard, but I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to see an even greater opportunity uh, to score the basketball, which as we saw again last night, he's very good at. Uh, he had 11 of his team high 19 points within a three minute span to start the second quarter. I mean, scoring in transition off the pick and roll, um, you know, three point shooter. The guy is just dynamite as a scorer. And we're starting to see more and more of that as he's gaining more and more trust from Michael Malone. And I, when you're talking about your second leading scorer being out. Uh, yes, Monte Morris and PJ Dozier, I think, can fill that role in terms of manning the position and, and being dependable. I, I don't think there's any issue there, but they will need added scoring. And so I think you'll see more minutes from Michael Porter Jr., probably putting him in more situations where you're calling plays for him and really allowing him to, to run the offense, especially with that second unit. That, that to me, is going to be one of the, the things as a result of this injury uh, that I'm really looking forward to, to, to watching and seeing how they deal with that. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. With Calm, you also have access to nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain on leaves and so much more, like sleep stories and meditations. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com nuggets. Unlock content to help you focus ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash nuggets. That's calm.com slash nuggets. Okay, Kendra, now let's let's take a look at the Nuggets at the midseason mark again. They'll, they'll be at 41 games. If they if they beat the Warriors on Thursday night, that'll be a 29-12 and 12 record, which would be one game better than they were at this time last year. So certainly in, in good position. They enter the day second in the West. They're right there in the thick of things. Uh, but, but let's kind of dig in a little bit to to a few different components of this as they sit now what's to you been the biggest surprise uh going for the nuggets right now that maybe going into the season uh you weren't quite expecting I think my biggest surprise right now is how they've really struggled to find a balance on offense and defense uh I you know early in the season they were 
winning their games purely based off their defense. You know, they were a top defensive team and their offense was really struggling to catch up. I think then they put such an emphasis on making sure that their offense was, you know, getting into better shape that now their defense has taken a back seat. Now, maybe not a back seat, but it's just had some slippage. And so I've been surprised that with, you know, the talent that they have and the players that they have and the experience that they got last year, they've been struggling to be able to really play really well on both ends of the court at the same time and consistently because you kind of see one but not the other and then it will flop. You see the other one but not the other. That's that's completely true. I mean, they, they started off the first first month of the season as one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. And, and it was really around the middle of December where it just started to fall off on that end. And, and that coincided, as you mentioned, with the offense finally starting to pick up. Um, some of that was Nikola Jokic was was starting to hit shots and, and he got back to the all star all NBA type level that he he can play at uh, and has been riding that wave essentially ever since. So the offense, you knew that once Nikola Jokic started playing the way he's supposed to, um, that was always going to probably be fine. And it has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the, de- the defense continues to be confounding. Um, now, the last two nights, Michael Malone has said, listen, I, I got to take any kind of progress that we're making and, and kind of really try to highlight it. And they played really good mm-hmm. defense in that win over the Clippers. Um, even though Kawhi Leonard scored 30 points, it was kind of a, a quiet 30 if there is such a thing right. and they really <laughs> held down everybody else for the most part um you know so, so it was really good in that game and then they turn it around and hold the hornets to 86 points which is what was their best um, defensive performance of the year in terms of points allowed so hopefully they're, they're starting to kind of slowly get some of that back and and, and then can marry that as you said with, with the offense because that you're, you're absolutely right. They haven't been able to click on all those cylinders really at any point this year uh save for maybe a few spots here and there so That'll be something to continue to look at. Uh, my biggest surprise from from the first half, uh, I, I, I got to go back to Michael Porter. And, and the reason being is that it's specifically the things that he's been able to do um, off the ball, sort of the, some of the little stuff that that has impressed me the most is something that I didn't necessarily see coming into this. You knew that this guy mm-hmm. was an elite level scorer, uh, that that's always been what he does at every level. That's why he was you know so highly touted. Um, but again, he's embracing uh, cutting off the ball. He's embracing the idea that if he is going to get offense sometimes, it's got to be from energy plays, um, whether that's crashing the offensive glass or, or just, again, moving without the ball. You know, trying to turn loose balls in, into situations that he can score in. He's he's done a really nice job of that. And look, he did not play uh, until Halloween. He he didn't he didn't play the first five or six games of the year. Even after that, his his time was really limited. Uh, Michael Malone had said from the start of the season that he was going to have to earn it, and and he's and that's to me the impressive part of it is that even when his minutes weren't coming consistently like they are now, he's averaging 18 minutes a game over the last 10 games. Before they were coming consistently, he was really I think making the most out of the time that he did get, mm-hmm. and that's what put him in a position um, to to earn more time. And and granted, his talent is 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 the biggest reason that he needs to be in the game. But again, I just think his approach. Uh, has been refreshing and and has really, I I think, given him an opportunity to be a guy that that really can make an impact for this team in the near future. So you're, you're, let's, let's move now to your, the biggest disappointment, even though you're, I, you're, you're, I think your surprise kind of could double as a disappointment that they I, haven't, yeah, they haven't was, been able, which is, you know, that that's part of it, right. Is that they haven't, um, 
you know, that they haven't taken off in, in some ways like we thought they would. But what, what specifically mm-hmm. would you say is a disappointment, uh, you know, even for a team that, like you, like we've said, is, is second in the West right now? I think, yeah, my biggest disappointment is that they are losing the losses that they have. A lot of them are to really bad teams, which is really disappointing for a team that is second in the West. They've lost to the Pelicans twice, once on Halloween, once on Christmas. They lost to the Kings in Sacramento. They lost to the Hawks when Trey Young went off for like 40, 41 points. They lost to the Cavs just this past week, and they lost to the Wizards in D.C. And for a team that is making a push, they really do believe that they can make it to the Western Conference Finals, if not the NBA Finals. It's 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 kind of baffling how you lose you're losing to these bad teams and it's like they lost to the Cavs and the very next night they played the Clippers and they beat the Clippers and so I and it's really hard to pinpoint what it is because they have repeatedly said at least the players have said you know it's not that we're overlooking teams but then Malone will say well they just didn't put any effort and one thing that you know really stood out to me when Malone said this is he said after the Wizards game there was a player in the locker room who said wow, I didn't think that they were going to play so hard. And it's kind of like, if you're heading into a game with that kind of mindset, you're re- I think you're really only setting yourself up for failure because even though they are you know, lower in the standings, it's still an NBA team. And if, if you want to win, you got to you know, get past those lesser teams. Um, but so that's been my biggest disappointment is that they seem to just always find ways to lose against the the not as great teams in the league. Yeah, I think that's a natural, a natural choice in terms of biggest <laughs> disappointment. And it really, it really probably has to be at the top of the list because, again, it, it's one of those situations where these these are games where you can kind of pad your record. And you look at the Lakers. Like last night, the Lakers just lost their first game mm-hmm. of the season to yeah. a sub um, to a to a sub five hundred team. team, right? And it was against Orlando, which, as far as sub five hundred teams goes, is a is a pretty strong team. And it was a one point game and all that kind of stuff. So it's not as if they the Lakers completely just you know overlooked them or anything like that. So uh, I so is that maturity? That's the question for me. Is is mm-hmm. where, where's the I guess where's the leadership? situation that would prevent these kind of things from happening. Monte Morris even said after they lost that game to the Cavs, he's like, watch, we're going to come out uh, against the Clippers and we're just going to, we're going to fly around. We're going to, we're going to play great. And, you know, so it's almost like they know this, they know this is an issue they have. So so I think that's why in some ways this, this victory over the Hornets (laughs) uh, last night was, was almost maybe bigger than the win over the Clippers just because they showed, okay, we can, we can have this opponent that's not very good and still take them seriously. Absolutely. So let's, my, my di- biggest disappointment uh, since since you you, uh, you stole the one that is is obviously the, the, <laughs> the biggest disappointment uh, is it, just sort of the bench play and in hindsight mm-hmm. looking back on it you know maybe we should have known that there were going to be um, just some some issues in terms of guys trying to find rhythm because a, a lot of these guys that played so well off the bench last year Malik Beasley Juancho Hernan Gomez Monte Morris. Uh, it was the product of a lot of extra time that they were getting in the lineup because of injuries. And and so if, if you were assuming good health, which the Nuggets have had now to this point, there were naturally going to be fewer opportunities for some of these guys, especially when you add in uh, Jeremy Grant, who was going to be a staple in the rotation, was going to get a lot of minutes. 
Um, you're adding Michael Porter Jr., as we've mentioned, into that mix. Uh, so, so mm-hmm. there was going to be more mouths to feed uh, and probably fewer minutes with which to feed them. And, and so I think the result, uh, somewhat naturally, if you, if, you, if you have the hindsight about it, is that guys have struggled to find a rhythm. And, mm-hmm. you know, part of that is, is understandable. Like when, you, when you're not getting the run that you were used to, uh, obviously there's probably going to be some drop off there. Uh, but also I just think guys have, have had a hard time. Um, you know, meshing for whatever reason uh, w- with with the new players on the floor, uh, there, there hasn't been a, a really great defensive energy at times from from the bench unit. Uh, now, this group is one that is starting to play a lot better. Michael Malone mentioned this last night. Over the last three, four, or five games, uh, really starting to bring better energy, and it's 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 more starting on the defensive end. I talked to Mason Plumley last night. And said, "Listen, when we when we as a group defend this second unit, and we know we can get out and run. You have athletes like Plumley, like Jeremy Grant, and like Michael Porter, who who are really good in the open floor. That's probably their your their." best suited unit to play in transition. And so if they're going to play defensively and start turning some of those, um, you know, miss shots or turnovers, they can force into opportunities to get out and run. Like we started to see over the last few games, that's what I think can help them really launch themselves in, in the second half of the season. Because Denver's going to need them as guys start to, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're probably going to see more of these knickknack injuries from guys that are that are going to force bench players to to kind of step into bigger roles. So, um, you know, that's something where I'm looking for. Hey, these guys have, have got to start to play better. Obviously, the fact that Michael Porter Jr. is getting more consistent minutes, you know, he's going to bring the scoring and, and that offensive talent. Uh, the hope is as he starts to play more. He can start to be more solid on the defensive end, start to understand where he's supposed to be, start to understand coverages, which, again, Malone said last night he's starting to see those signs that he's coming around. So you hope that that only gets better uh, because if he's playing well, um, you know, that that, that's going to be that's going to be natural, uh, a natural improvement from the second unit. Which um, you know, I, I know brings you into to kind of the storyline. We'll, we'll finish there. The storyline yes. of the second half of the season um, that we're most interested in seeing uh, for you. Yes, great segue into my storyline because <laughs> it, it really does have to do. That's yeah, my it really has assist. to do with the bench. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, it has to do with the bench, especially as we head into the playoffs, particularly at that uh, you know more uh, small forward role, which was a huge conversation heading into the season of who is going to be. St- the starter, but now I think it's really transition to okay, what's the rotation going to be? And Malone has gone to Michael Porter Jr. for a couple games. Then he'll go to Tory Craig when he needs kind of a pickup on defense. He went to Wancho Hernan Gomez last night. Then, you know, Malik Beasley will make an appearance. So you have all these guys that are kind of flying around in that position. And like you said, some stretches during the season have really struggled to mesh and there hasn't, they haven't been able to find a rhythm. And now we're in the second half of the season, the playoffs, they feel like forever away, but they're coming. So as we get closer to the playoffs, Malone's going to start making decisions on, okay, I need to cut down this rotation from playing, you know, 13 guys to playing 10, maybe 11, keeping it way smaller. And so I'm really interested to see, okay, is Michael Porter Jr.'s role going to increase when we come to the playoffs? Because as you pointed out, his just natural athleticism is off the charts. 
Or is he going to turn to someone who's been in the playoffs before, who has more experience? Torrey Craig was huge for this team in the playoffs last year. So is he going to turn to that? Is, you know, what, so what's going to happen with the rotation as we head into the playoffs? I think that's going to be a big thing to watch over these next couple months. Yeah, that, that's true. And I, I think that what you're going to start to see, this rotation, I think, will cut down. I, I think in some ways it already has. You know, we have the starters. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Monte Morris, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley as those three reserves that you know are always going to get the same consistent minutes every night. And then, and then Porter, I think, I think we're you know, hopefully finally past this, this time where he, he just gets maybe a few minutes in a first half and then doesn't play in the second half. If you look at the last 10 games, he's played at least 11 minutes in every one of those games, except for that Cleveland loss where he only played the, the three minutes in the first half. He's starting to get, I think more consistent minutes. Michael Malone has said, even after that Cavs game, he said, I have to let him play through these mistakes because he's just too good not to have on the floor. And, and yeah. so I, I really do think that in the second half of the season, you're going to start to see him play play you know 15 to 20 minutes every single night and so that that'll be an important thing to see because with with that evidence that they have at that point um those kind of minutes will he be ready for the playoffs as you mentioned this the only way to know if he's going to really be able to help you is by playing him a lot the re- the second half of the season to to let him get in a rhythm to to see where his strengths really lie to see where, where what weaknesses he has that can be accounted for and and what weaknesses are, are perhaps too big of a liability to deal with um, that that's going to be really interesting to me and i think that they're going to play him um along with with Tory Craig, who has started to get some more minutes, mm-hmm. I, I just don't see a situation in which Tory Craig is not used, um, you know, as a defensive matchup in the playoffs. So what what we could see is is really, you know, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., Tory Craig, kind of alternate in that in that um, you know small forward role, depending on what it is that the Nuggets need at the time. So I agree. That's a really big thing to watch this second half of the season. For me, uh, I, I got my eyes on the trade deadline. And are the Nuggets going to make a trade before the deadline in February? Look, you, you, you talked about the rotation. And as we talk about these guys who are going to play, it, it's just hard to see a real path to playing time for Juancho Hernan Gomez and Malik Beasley. And, mm-hmm. and I think these guys uh, are certainly strong candidates to be traded. Um, you know, Talking to some people around the organization, I know that they have gotten phone calls about both of these players. Uh, it's a matter, I think, of what kind of return the Nuggets could get back. Could you get a first-round right. pick for Malik Beasley? Uh, I don't think Juancho Hernan Gomez would net a first-round pick. But again, it's, it's a situation for him where you know, the Nuggets are an organization that likes to do right by by their players. And and right now, the right thing for, for Juancho Hernan Gomez is to get into a situation where he can play. And, and that just mm-hmm. hasn't been afforded to him really for most of his four years in, in Denver. Uh, it seems like each time that he's about to step into some kind of bigger role, um, whether it's, it's an injury or, you know, his second season in the league, he had mononucleosis that, that zapped him from a lot of playing time. Um, there, there's just always been something in his way. And, and now that thing in his way is Michael Porter Jr., uh, Will Barton playing well, Torrey Craig. He, he's just so far behind that rotation uh, that, mm-hmm. that I think it, it's, I think, time for the, a change of scenery for him. And and and, and I, my guess is that the Nuggets will, will kind of do that for him. Malik Beasley is a little bit more of an interesting case because you can see um, you know, the shooting, even though he has played pretty inconsistently this season, he's still close to a 40% three point shooter. And, and for a team that's really struggling to shoot the ball from the outside for the majority of the season, you say, can they really afford to get rid of, you know, one of their only true outside shooters. Um, but again, his inconsistent playing time, the fact that he might be able to, um, 
be a guy who who gives you a spark. Uh, those those are the two things that you have to weigh uh, with with one another, and and whether he could get a re- you could get a return for him, um, you know, that might help you down the road. So those are all things that I'm going to be interested in. And then lastly, on the trade front, do is there somebody that they want to try to bring in here? Um, do you right. w- you want to try to target a guy like JJ Redick? Um, you know, t- to add more shooting, if that even if that would mean t- giving New Orleans, um, you know, Mason Plumley and having to kind of patchwork the backup center spot uh, behind him without natural guys in, in that in that role, um, you know, and then also giving up a, a young player like like Beasley or Juancho Hernan Gomez, who we talked about, in order to get a guy like JJ Redick. Uh, do they really try to swing big and and see if they can pry Drew Holiday from New Orleans again? I think that's a a, a pretty major long shot. I, I don't think the Pelicans are going to move Holiday. Uh, but so th- those are the things. Is is there something Andre Iguodala? Is is that a name worth mm-hmm. worth, worth talking about? Um, th- these are all questions that I have about. Do they try to bring bring someone in? My ultimate guess mm-hmm. is that th- they're not going to try to add another another player to this. I-, I just think that they they believe in what they have, and especially with Michael Porter Jr. sort of almost being their deadline acquisition because of how big of a role he's going to start to get. I just mm-hmm. don't particularly seeing them adding anybody. What, what what about you? What how do you view the trade deadline? Yeah, you know, I I was kind of thinking about this and kind of like as you were mentioning, okay, if they were trying to bring someone in, who would that be and what, you know, what skill set would they want them to have? Is it that three-point shooting because they have been struggling from that spot on the floor a bit? Is that what they want? Um and I also have been thinking, okay, did as, as you just mentioned, do they have all the pieces that they think that they should have to to win a championship? Because that's what they've just been talking about their goal this entire time. But at the same time, in my opinion, I don't think that there's any big rush on them to get there. So I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't see them making any huge movements or huge trades or decisions that kind of are going to shake their roster right now because they do have a lot of untapped potential, as you said, in Michael Porter Jr. and in other guys. I think you know, they have potential to make a good run in the playoffs. And so I kind of say, go with this group now. If you're going to make a trade, yeah, I think Wancho Hernan Gomez has a good chance of getting traded and going to another team. But I don't think that they're in any rush to start just throwing pieces around to try and get that thing that they think they need to to make their team even better because, hey, if you don't win a championship this year, you guys are still really young. You just signed Mike Malone to an extension, so he's going to be here for a while. You just start kind of building, and then if you get to the summer, they have a lot of guys who are going to be you know, restricted free agents that are going to be free agents this summer. So once we get to the summer, assess how the playoffs went. Okay, based on that, where do we need to adjust? Who do we need to move? Who do we need to get? And I think that they should kind of approach it in that way. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think even though they've talked about wanting to, you know, they, they said at the start of training camp, you can't kind of like a why not? Why can't we compete for for a championship? But it, it's it's also not an end all be all pursuit this year. Um, right. And especially because, again, I, we keep going back to it. But if, if Michael Porter Jr. really can and this is not to, this is not to hype him up or to oversell him or anything like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's about the natural talent that's there. He has star potential. And so if you're if you're potentially adding um, you know, another star next year because is is he's not he's not a star now. It, it's whether he right. can continue to improve and be that guy. 
you know, as early as next year, you're going to want to see what he looks like with most of what you have. They're going to have some offseason choices. Do you bring back Paul Millsap? You know, can you come to a figure there that would allow him to retire as a Denver Nugget? Or are you ready to turn the page and have Jeremy Grant be your starting uh, power forward? Um, you know, how do you how do you replace some of these bench pieces that will be gone, whether by trade or, or as you mentioned, by free agency? There, there's obviously going to be some new pieces on this team next year. But I, I think they're in position. I agree with you. And it was a good point to, to see what you have with this group in the playoffs. This is, I think, the year where you truly get a barometer of where you stand in the Western Conference landscape and, and then do what you need to do going into next season to make sure that this is the, the season that you truly, truly have a chance to compete. Um, but again, we'll, we'll see some of the start of that in the second half of the season of, of what kind of directions they're going to take, how close they really can get to competing. Uh, and I, I really think it's going to be an intriguing year to watch. And there, I know there's been among Nuggets fans, there's been some frustration with how the season has gone. It just hasn't felt quite as smooth as last year when they kind of burst onto the scene and won 54 games. But I really do think the Nuggets are slowly getting back to the team that, that believes it can, it can p- compete for big prizes. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch the second half of the season. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, we really appreciate you guys listening. Again, this was our free episode this week. And if you're listening on you know, Apple, Spotify, wherever you are, please go, go ahead and go in there. Give us a review. Um, you know, Give us a rating. T- tell us what you think. And, and be sure to be sure to tell, tell your friends about us. Uh, but if you're, if you're trying to get our bonus episodes, again, we have each week we have another one of those uh, from, from various wherever we are on the road. We talk to opposing beat writers, ha- have some cool stuff in those bonus episodes. And again, you can go to theathletic.com slash rainbow skyline that gets you 40% off an annual subscription to the athletic, which gives you all of our podcasts ad free. Uh, again, Kendra, thanks a lot for, uh, for joining us from San Francisco and, uh, Absolutely. yeah, until next time. Thanks for stopping by.